thank you for listening to the weekly message at First Baptist Church in Bushland, Texas. Hey, it's Labor Day. Or tomorrow, officially, it's Labor Day, but it's Labor Day weekend. And as I was thinking about Labor Day and, and everything about Labor Day, I was curious about Labor Day and how it came about and why we do what we do. And did you know that Labor Day began 1882? 1882. Any guess who the first state that observed Labor Day was? Wasn't Texas, by the way. Oregon. Oregon was the first state to observe the Labor Day holiday. It became a federal holiday in 1894. 1894 is when it became a federal holiday. It was chosen as the first Monday in September for a real, real important reason. It's because there was no holiday in between Memorial Day and Thanksgiving. Long stretch. So I think a bunch of school teachers got together (laughs) and said, Lord, help us. We got to have a break. Can't make it to Turkey Day. So we have, that's why they picked the first Monday in September as Labor Day. And it was set aside, Labor Day itself was, to celebrate what workers or laborers have done in this country. They would do parades and stuff and and model that which they made and, and things like that. And that's kind of how the festival or the ceremony of Labor Day came about. And so I was thinking about Labor Day. You know, for most of us in America, Labor Day means the start of football season. Amen. But, but, but the real thing was to celebrate what workers did. And so when I was thinking about Labor Day and thinking about workers, here's my question. Is, is, there, a, is there a difference today in the worker who goes to church on a regular basis and the worker who doesn't go to church on a labor, on, on a labor day, <laughs> on a regular basis. Take a little step further. Is there, a, is there a difference in the saved, born-again employee and the employee that's lost. You say, well, you can't really ask that question. No, you can't. But you can ask, so on a typical weekend, what does a weekend in your family look like? If they go to church on Sunday, they're going to say that, okay? And you can watch their fruit at work and find out whether they're saved or not saved. So I came across a passage of Scripture I want to look at. I want you to keep those thoughts in your head because we're going to go back and unpack those. I want you to go to uh, Colossians Colossians chapter 3, I want to go up and start in verse 18, just because I want to kind of take the whole framework of this text. We're going to be short and sweet today. I should have got a lot of amens, but uh, you're probably holding out because you're like, hey, every pastor says that, okay? But uh, Colossians chapter 3, I want you to look at verse 18. Don't worry, wives and husbands, we're not, we're not camping there today for you. I just want to set the tone here. Colossians 3, verse 18. Wives, submit yourselves or submit, your, submit to your husbands as fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh to them. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. Verse 22. 
Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you, and to win their favor, but in sincerity, with sincerity in your heart in reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for his wrong, and there is no favoritism. Hmm. Interesting text there. Interesting passage. Thank goodness in this country there is no more slavery. So don't read that and camp there. But what you have to understand is that we were bought at a price. A price that we, we could not pay. We are not our own. We are his. And don't for one minute think that you are something because we are nothing without Christ. Poverty stricken. Nothing. The air we breathe is on loan from the creator. Now we take it for granted a lot. We do. But it's on loan, my friend. The gifts and talents and abilities that you have, you did not do. You say, well, yeah, but I went to college. Bless you. Well, I got my master's. Bless you. Well, I got my doctrine. Bless you. I went to this trade school. I went here, went here. I have to keep up every year. I have to get retrained. And up. Bless you. But, dude, let me tell you what coaches know. You better start with something. Because <laughs> if you don't start with something, you're not going to get much. All right? You've been blessed with a lot. You've been blessed with the abilities that you have. If whatever profession or work that you do, understand it's a gift from God. You couldn't do it without it. Doctors that do surgery, I am thankful for God's hands that God made those fingers and those hands and those minds to do the work that they do. Very thankful. Because at the moment they're doing surgery on me, there's not a lot I can do for them. Not a lot. And I'm thankful for them. But my friends, listen to me. We have to understand that we, we, and everything that we do are working for him. Everything. So the question becomes in America today, is there a difference today in the employee that goes to church on a regular basis and the one who does not? Is there a difference today in the worker in America who is a born-again child of the king, saved, Holy Spirit-filled, than the one who's not by the way they work? You say, well, what's the answer? I don't know yet. I want you to go to Psalms 139. Psalm 139. You think he's, he's building for something. I am. Psalm 139. I want you to read this text. Follow with me. Psalm 139, we're going to read the first 12 verses. Psalm 139, O Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in, behind, and before. You've laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. 
Where can I go from your spirit and where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn and settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light will become night around me. Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like a day, for darkness is as light to you. Is there a difference today between the saved person and the lost person in the workplace? I guess the question should be, should there be? Should there be? According to that text right there, yes. Where can I go from your presence? Where can I go from your spirit? If I'm in the dark, really light. If I go on the far side, you're there. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it. My friends, if there is a fear of the Almighty God that is alive inside of you, you work differently. You understand that there is nothing that you do that he's not aware of. If I have an office full of saved people, stealing should not be a factor, correct? I, I, I wouldn't think that would even be a concern. Just leave a $100 bill laying all over the office. Saved person says, that's not mine. Why does he say that? Because he doesn't want that $100 bill? Nope. He wants that $100 bill. But if he takes that $100 bill, Almighty God saw that. Okay? And he says that there is no favoritism. He'll take care of that. There shouldn't be a problem with stealing. But my friends, I wonder today, and I don't, I have employees under me. As far as I know, they're all saved. Okay? But you may have some employees under you that you know some of them are saved and some of them are not saved. And I wonder today as you sit here, are they different? Do they work different? Saved man work harder than a lost man? Work better than a lost man? And I, trust me, I am not judging here. I'm just throwing some stuff out there to think about. I want to look at three areas that I believe a saved person, church-going person, it ought to be different than the other side, than the ones that don't go to church and are not saved. Three areas real fast. Number one, on time. On time. You may have heard this statement. If you are early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. And if you're late, eh, you shouldn't have bothered. Anybody ever heard that? So if you're early, you're on time. If you're on time, you're late. And if you're late, shouldn't have bothered. The saved dude should not have a problem with being on time. Why? Because he's not getting there early for the boss. He's getting there early for the king. Because he knows somebody more powerful than him who he is a slave to because his life was bought at a price that he can't, he can't repay that, but he can say thank you by his life. By the way he works, he says, thank you. I tell these football players all the time, every time I'm with them, every snap, 
every snap, your play on that field should say thank you to the one who gifted you to play the game called football. Every snap, every day at your office, every day at work, whether you like your job or not, it ought to be, it ought to be for his glory. Everything you do, everything. Because, my friends, you can't work for men. You're not, it's a scripture in 23 says, you're not working under men, you're working who? Under the Lord. So when you work for the Lord, you work differently. You work differently. You should be on time. Okay? Secondly, your word. Your word. When you give your word, you should be a man or woman of your word. Does that bother anybody but me? Eeks me. Makes me nuts. Monday, had a guy call me that I'd been trying to call for a week. Left message every day. Hey, it's Jeff. Turn my call. Because the message says, it would be my pleasure to call you back at my convenience. Well, I just want to give God a chance to be pleased. Right? I just want to give him an opportunity just to really make his day. He called me back. Make his day. He's so excited to do it. But he didn't call me back. So he calls me Monday morning at 10 o'clock, this past Monday. Mr. Partner? Yes, sir? Sorry I couldn't get back to you. That's all right. I'm cool. I'll be at your house 4 o'clock. Right, that's a good idea. All right. So, so I'm in town, had some hospital visits, so I wrap one up, and I get back here. 4, 4.15, 4 5, 5.30, 6.15, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, going to bed. He don't show. They don't call. Hey, I got, I got, I fell off a bridge, broke my leg, not coming. Nothing. Just doesn't show up. Some say, well, you know, probably not safe. Just don't know any better. All right? (laughs) So I blew it off. Well, I thought, well, that's not, I mean, to me, if you're not going to make it, just call. Just call. If you're going to be late, just say, hey, running a little bit late, couldn't get out of the office, I'm coming. Because here's what that says. To me, if you're a born-again child of the king, you realize that, that in Psalms, he says that he knit you together. Every person, the creator knit them together in their mother's wombs, and all the days of his life had been ordained. So meaning that everybody, everybody is made by God. Everybody. So that makes them special, unique, incredible. Saved or not saved? All right? So when I give a saved man or a lost man my word, I ought to do what I say. Because that's just consideration that you are a person that matters. And that ought to do something that matters for you. So I ought to be on time. And if I give you my word, I ought to honor my word. And if I can't honor my word because of circumstances, I ought to call you out of respect and say, you know what? I'm going to be a little bit late. And it's not all about me. See, the world's not all about me. So, so, so I should think of you too. That, that's kind of out there in America today. Oh, well, you know. It's not about you, it's about me. No, it's not. It's not about you either, dude, right? It's about the king. And so you call out a consideration. You say, well, that only happened uh, out there in, 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 in the work world. But it doesn't really happen in the church, does it? Hmm, kind of. So I had another meeting set up about a week ago. I'm not going to tell you that they were a church, but they're kind of a church. 
And these two ladies that work in the church, I, I went on the assumption that they were born again. Okay? So I have a meeting set up for 2 o'clock on Monday. So I go to a lunch meeting, and I make a hospital visit, and I book it out here. And at 1.55, I call my secretary, Lori, and say, because she said, if you're late and get hung up at the hospital, I'll meet them here and let them in. Okay? So I call her at 1.55 and say, hey, got, I'm back. Don't worry about it. I'll meet them. 2 o'clock comes, 2.15, 2.30. So I call the office, and she answers, I'm not going to say it. I almost did. <laughs> so she answers the phone. All right, right then, the Cherokee in me, y'all think I'm dark now? I was real red then. So she answers, real sweet. And I said, as nice as I could muster, I'm assuming you're not going to make it. Oh, hey, Jeff, sorry, yeah, so-and-so's not back at the office yet, and so I can't really leave without her. Your transmission won't work without her. But, but that's a whole other thing. So, so we, we, y'all it's not, probably need to reschedule that. Okay, I just let that go because I, I wanted to say, so you didn't know at 2.30 just now dawned on you you're not going to make it and you want to reschedule. I'm like, are you kidding me? All right, so then they call back this week and want to set another meeting up for next week. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm holding my breath here. All right, but here's what I'm saying. Believers, when they act like that, that just says, you know what? You don't really matter. It's really about me, so you need to adjust. That's, can I just tell you something? As a born-again child of the king, my name's not on the line. His is. His. Man, when we're out there and we're trying to share Christ with people and that's the behavior of the saved church in that world, you wonder why they don't want to come here? I think we send a muffed up message sometimes. And see, we don't think about it that way. We think, well, it's just about me. And I'm going to tell you, the selfishness in America is not just with lost people, it's with saved people too. They just think the whole dirt ball rotates around them. And it doesn't. It doesn't. Read Scripture or go fly somewhere and look out the window and realize how tiny you are and how much you don't matter. Just little bitty nothing. I mean, you matter to him, but just how insignificant incons- you are right here. Friends, I think we need to be reminded in the workplace, that we don't work for men. We work for the Lord. And that when you work, when you understand who your ultimate boss is, you'll work differently for your earthly boss. Whether you like him or not. Or her or not. All right? You'll work differently. You'll, you'll be on time. And when you give your word, you'll, you'll honor your word. Or you'll call and say, I can't, but I want to let you know I'm still coming. That's good. Jesus would. That's the way he'd do it. As working for whom? The Lord, not for man. Last thing, and we're done. On time, talked about that, word. But your workplace, your workplace, as a a born-again child of the king, you've got to realize that your workplace is a mission field. I'm telling you, man, hmm. It's a mission field. I, I, I tell people 
all my days of student ministry, 18 years of student ministry, I used to tell students all the time, the greatest mission field God ever, ever, ever gave us was public school. Greatest mission field. Greatest mission field. If I was a teacher or a coach, I'm telling you, woo, I'd have church every class. He said, well, you can't say that. Oh, you, you, you'd be surprised what you can and cannot say. And I'd get fired over that with a smile on my face. But I'm, I'm telling you, it's a great mission field. Now, when you get out of school and you go into the workplace, why has that got to stop? It doesn't have to stop. It does not have to stop. I believe that we, he's either sovereign or he's not sovereign. Amen? I mean, God can't be sovereign in this area and not be sovereign in this area. Melissa and I, all through school, decided early on that we would never, ever pick a teacher for our kids. Never. 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 Because we believe that there are teachers that need our children, and our children need certain teachers. And he knows that better than we know it. He's sovereign. So it's not my job to go, God, let me tell you something. I don't think you can handle this one. I'm going to do this one for you because nobody knows my kid like me. <laughs> Whatever. I made your kid. I made your kid. And guess what? I know him a whole lot better than you do because you just got your chili smoked by your kid. All right? He ain't perfect. Sorry. I know that because I see him in the dark and I see him in the light and I see him when you tell him to do something, he goes, doesn't he? Because he's under his breath. I know all that. There are certain teachers that need our kids and there are certain kids that need certain teachers. So I don't have to, Melissa and I made a pact. We're not helping God out. God's got this. He's either sovereign or he's not sovereign. All right? So in the workplace, I can't tell you in the workplace, at every place, all the churches I served at, I, I, I jumped for joy. Some of them were a struggle, man. Some of the stuff on staff that I saw were hard to close my eyes to. I'm going to say this to you. When, when I was 30 years old and I walked into that church in Eldorado, Arkansas, and that pastor had taken a nylon ski rope and hung himself in that church, you, you... I mean, my son was born 10 days before that. You, you, you're like, what? What? And that moment when I went to my office and all those people came, I said, God, I've been in full-time ministry for six years at that point. God, why, why did I find that? Why, why did I find that? I've just become a dad, and I'm, I'm a pastor, and one day would probably be a senior pastor. But why did you show me that? Why did I see that? What, what are you trying to teach me? What do you want me to see about his life that you don't want me to repeat? What, what, got, what trap did he walk into that you don't want me to walk into? What happened to him that you don't want me to repeat? He's either sovereign or he's not sovereign. You see, at that moment, never thought, I'm going to resign Sunday. I'm not staying in this place. Because this is what happens to people who are on staff at this church. I'm out of here. All right? No. He's got you where he wants you for a reason. 
And I'm going to tell you something. When I look back that way, that's a great moment in my life. What got him in that position? Neglect of family. No time with wife. All about the church. All about climbing a ladder to be a certain pastor in a certain convention. 90 to nothing. Passed his wife like two ships in the night. Two ships in the night. Told his wife one time, I'm called to preach God's word, not to live God's word. Mm. Dude. Every place God has you, there's a reason. The job you're in right now, you're divinely put there. Divinely put there. You say, well, my job is really horrible. It's terrible. Terrible. Okay, I'm not going to argue with you. I've seen horrible and terrible in a job. But what does God want to teach you right where you're at? When you go to work on Tuesday morning, do you walk into that office or that workplace and say, before you walk in, God, I don't want to use my eyes today. I want to use your eyes. I don't want my ears to work today. I want your ears to work. Show me, show me. When the word becomes flesh, show me how I can be the word in the flesh to the people I work with. <laughs> Will you try that for me? Just make a pact. I'll try that, preacher. When you walk in that way, it changes everything. It changes everything. Walk in with that attitude instead of the attitude, I hate the people I work with, I'm sick of this job, I'm underpaid, underappreciated, nobody cares, nobody cares, nobody cares. You know what you're living for? Friday. But between Monday and Friday, you're going to miss people that God put there for a purpose. And the purpose was for you to be Jesus in the flesh to them. You're not going to see them, man. You're not going to see them. Labor Day. We celebrate the laborers or the workers. The question this morning is, as a working America, whether you're a boss, an employee, a supervisor, management role, doctor, nurse, doesn't matter. The role you play, the role you play, are you on time? You're a man or woman of your word? And is my workplace my mission field? Is it? Is it? Tomorrow, while you've got the day off, sitting at home, I want you to think about, is my workplace a mission field? It'll change the way you work. It'll change the way you see them, man. Folks, there is people that need the authentic flesh Jesus more than anything in the world. But they don't even know how to ask for it. And it's been so long since they've seen it, they might not recognize it. But I'm going to tell you, it's time in America that we get back there. And it's got to be led by the church to do that. I want you to think about that as we move to a time of invitation. As a worker, am I on time? As a worker, an employee, a boss, am I a man, a woman, am I a word? And is my workplace my mission field? Psalm 40 says, 
that if we'll sing our song, many will hear, many will see, many will put their faith in the Lord. Are we singing at church and not singing at work? How about we sing at church and we sing at work? See what kind of impact it makes. Maybe you're here this morning looking for a church home. I'd be a fool not to recommend this place. I think it's a great church. So if you want to come this morning and join the church, even on a holiday weekend, we'll take you. All right. Maybe you just need to come to the altar. Maybe you just need to say, you know what? I don't ever pray for my workplace. Today I am. And from this point on I am. Whatever you need to do, whatever God said this morning, I want you to hear it and I want you to do it. For on the other side of obedience is always blessing, my friend. Always. And pray with me. Father, this morning as we move to a time of invitation, this is not Jeff's invitation. It's not First Baptist Church invitation. This is God's invitation. For you and you alone are the only one that spoke today. I said some words, but they're meaningless. They won't even last. They're gone. They're like a vapor. But the words that you say, Father, will ring in eternity forever. They will ring in our hearts forever. God, I pray that we respond to your words today. In our hearts, you have spoken. The Holy Spirit has pricked us, moved us, maybe made us uncomfortable, and that's okay. Because when the Holy Spirit makes you uncomfortable, if we will obey the Holy Spirit, it will make you comfortable. But Father, may we run to that today and not away from it. May we embrace it and not fight it. Because it's nothing but love from the Father. Father, call us to be workers that work at it with all of our heart. As we're working for the Lord, not for man. Father, move us now. Be honored this time in this invitation in Jesus' name. Amen.